Dawson and I have Moon Girl here with me and you're watching the Paranormal Dolls. Hi Moon Girl, how you doing? Hi beautiful. How's so excited about our guests. We always have great guests but I, I love this one a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the bestie, the Courtney, by the way the best historian ever. So yes. you heard it from her mouth. Yes, yeah. yes. Very, <laughs> very knowledgeable. Yes. Um, understands the real history yes and tells us all about it so shares it with the world hi yeah. courtney how are you hi thank you for the compliments i'm good <laughs> how are you ladies we're doing good thank you excited to have you of course yeah. oh i'm happy to be here i love talking with you guys <laughs> <laughs> so for those that um don't know you Tell us about yourself. Sure. So I'm Courtney McInvale. I am just a you know local ghost tour guide and author here in the Mystic, Connecticut area. I grew up in a haunted house, so fascinated with the paranormal. Uh, the Warrens came to my house when I was 15, so they investigated the haunting there, which kind of led a lot of credibility to the haunting at the house at the time. They did a cleansing there. And then I was so embarrassed growing up in a small town by all of that. I pretended that they didn't come to my house and didn't talk about living in a haunted house for 10 years. Uh, but when I was in college, I did continue to have experiences. I worked for the government in college and after college, and I still had a fascination with the paranormal. And then when I was on an assignment in Vermont, uh, I met a woman who seemed to be living my dream. She was telling ghost stories to people and writing ghost books about history and uh, about her region. And her name's Thea Lewis. And she had lunch with me and kind of told me how she got started. Uh, and we still chat back and forth. And uh, she sort of told me I could do it too. And then in 2013, I started a haunted tour company and started writing haunted books. And here we are. Very yeah. Fascinating. Very fascinating. Mm -hmm. So um, you decided to do, uh, to start a company. And now what, what does the company do? Is it only a mystic or have you expanded? No, we're, so we're growing and evolving. Uh, we started in mystic, uh, giving tours in the downtown mystic historic area in 2013. Uh, two years later, we started doing one of the local colonial burial grounds as well, uh, which is one of my favorite places. I just love the people buried there so much. And then uh, a couple of years after that, we expanded just over the border from Connecticut into Rhode Island uh, to a town that has a lot of ghosts from mysterious shipwrecks, pirates, uh, witches that they didn't, you know, burn or hang. Uh, and so we started talking about those in Westerly, Rhode Island. And so the tours have expanded. A lot of them are walking tours, but we also do hop on buses, you know, caravans. We do special events. Like right now, we're running my bloody Valentine tours, telling people about the, you know, macabre history of Valentines. And we do 
Ghost of Christmas Past too. Uh, right now, two we're expanding on going to be doing a tour in Ireland in 2025 mm -hmm. uh, about Rebels of Ireland, sort of the Easter Rising 1916, and we'll be there on the anniversary, and that will be really fun. And I'm working on tours in Georgia to support mm -hmm. books and research there. Uh, and so I've almost finished drafting one for Macon, Georgia. So that will be the first uh, Georgia tour, hopefully later this year. Right. Yes, exciting. Now yeah. you are, oh, sorry, you are uh, working on a lot of new projects and appearances. Can you tell us about them? Yeah, so a lot of what I'm doing is really focused on the Civil War ghost books. So uh, during the pandemic, uh, I had a really bizarre dream uh, where these two Civil War soldiers appeared and kind of led me to find their grave. And I started uh, researching them and what happened to them and their imprisonment. And I decided to write about them and some of the other soldiers from my region in Connecticut. And then I just really sort of fell back in love with the study of civil war. It brought me closer to my father who has passed away, but he raised me on that history. So I felt by writing that I kind of honored him. And so all my civil war stuff really started spiraling, you know, through 2020, you know, snowballing up through today. So a lot of the engagements I'm doing are in towns uh, down south where there are battles or engagements or haunted places that relate to the Civil War. Uh, so I just finished a book tour this fall in Georgia for volume one. Volume two uh, is coming out and I just started talking with a bunch of places in Georgia. So I'll be back there this fall doing another book tour uh, for volume two, I also will have an episode coming out on Gaia uh, on a show yeah. Beyond Belief uh, with George Nori. That should be out next month. And actually, Moon Girl kind of has an appearance in a way on there because uh, the two of us visited Gettysburg last year. And we recorded uh, some really phenomenal yeah. evidence uh, on the battlefield. And they were so impressed um, that they play the evidence in the episode. So people will get to hear what we heard. And I'm so excited about that. Uh, so those are some of the things coming up. And I will always update my website with book talks. I have one coming up in Rhode Island later this month. And, you know, hopefully just throughout the year, we'll just keep sharing Civil War ghost stories. Nice. Nice. Uh, and now, is this been the Civil War stuff? Has been that been a passion of yours always? Or um, did it, you grow into it? Or how did that happen? So when I was little, I liked it, I think, because I likened it to time with my dad. He right. would read me a book called Southerners, <laughs> and it had in there, you know, pictures of a bunch of Southern generals. And so he would, you know, quiz me because he was always like, oh, she's so smart and would have me memorize all their faces and things, you know, and, and by age, like, you know, seven, I could identify all of them. Um, and, you know, he had Civil War like memorabilia in the house because he was a history major. Uh, so, you know, it was his passion. So by default, I liked it. I think when I went to college, I really wanted to major in history too. And my mom was really funny. She kind of always called my dad a cornucopia of useless knowledge, meaning like he was so smart, <laughs> but she didn't know what he was going to do with it. So she said to me, you know, 
you don't really want to be a history major. There's, what are you going to do? My dad was a police officer, but he wasn't using his major, right? Right. So um, she said, find a job that you find a degree that like you can get a job in. And I convinced my mother that politics would work because uh, I knew that I could take a lot of history courses with politics. <laughs> uh, so I majored in international relations and I did fall in love with history that way. And I got to study abroad in Ireland through that program and live there for a time. And they are a culture that is so rich in history that they celebrate and that is a part of their daily life. Mm -hmm. So falling in love with their rebellions and visiting Scotland and their rebellions, I thought we have our own huge rebellion right here. And my dad taught me about it when I was little. So my passion for it kind of came back as I started mm -hmm. to have life experiences. And now, you know, I can't vacation without visiting a Civil War battlefield. So. <laughs> It's a real passion, that's for sure. Yes, yes. I just went to Nashville with my mom and my husband, and I made a stop in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where there's not really anything to do, but there is a battlefield there, and I had to do it. And <laughs> yes. Now, can you um, elaborate a little bit more when you go do your little um, investigations in Gettysburg, or when you talk about it, your appearances there? Yeah, so you've kind of been with me. You see that I try to like play it casual. Um, I think the hardest thing at battlefields, and I almost missed the pandemic for this reason, are the I amount of living people, people there. Yeah. There's so many people. There are national parks, there's state parks, people are hiking, they're they're chilling, you know, and I'm there for the dead people, you know. <laughs> and uh, so that's that's hard. And I I traveled to a bunch of them during the pandemic, and I was the only living person there. It was the dream. Anyway, um, when when I go there, you know, my fr I always sort of try to assess out if I don't know it, you know, kind of what energy we're working with. Is it residual mm -hmm. or is it active? Meaning, you know, is it something where I'm going to hear these pulses from time or there's a time slip or the event is replaying and I might feel that or capture evidence of it? but I'm not going to communicate with it, right? Yeah. Because it's not a spirit saying, hello, I died here. You know, this is my name. Right. Um, so, and you can kind of get the pulse for that when you're there. Do you feel like a little bit in limbo? Do you feel like you hear voices? Do you hear gunshots? Do you hear cannon? Um, and that likens you to the fact that maybe you're at like a little portal or vortex or whatever you want to call them, but it's more of a residual haunting. If you're going and you feel like physical sensations on your body mm -hmm. or you hear, you know, almost in, either in your own ears or in your mind, depending on how you sort of intuit information, people talking to you or asking who you are or what you're doing, uh, then you might want to investigate with a spirit box or something that they can communicate with. Gettysburg um, and Antietam and, and a lot of these battlefields, they kind of have both at different, yeah. different parts. And depending on when you go, you might have different experiences. You know, I there's an area called Cemetery Ridge at Gettysburg, and it's where the famous incident of Pickett's Charge took place. And I always felt that that was a highly residual area. 
Um, you could feel people marching. You could hear the yelling. You could hear the smoke. You could feel the agony. And I had always had experiences with it being residual or a time slip. However, uh, one time I was on a road trip with my husband this past year. Um, he's taking me to concerts as I demand to be taken to. And uh, he said, I have a surprise for you on the way there of where we're going to stop. And we stopped in Gettysburg. And we got a hotel that sort of is right next to Cemetery Ridge. And I want to be clear, I am not saying this is what anyone should do. You are not supposed to be in there at night. Um, you used to be able to a couple of years ago, the park service changed it. You're not supposed to be. That being said, we're in the hotel, the balcony, we can see Cemetery Ridge. And we're thinking we don't need a car. We can just toddle in a little bit, see what's going on. So it's the middle of the night. We walk in there. And I immediately got this sensation that I wasn't supposed to be there. It wasn't what I usually felt at Cemetery Ridge. And I felt like I could hear voices saying, who are they? What are they doing here? And I said, let's go. You know, we took I took a few really cool night shots of the monuments under the stars. <laughs> and then, you know, said, let's go. I'm just feeling, you know, this is their time. Right. They're assembling, they're confused, they're aware of me. And uh, so we start walking and I felt this hand on my shoulder that's like, thank you, let me walk you out. It was very like kind, but firm and tall. It like felt like it came from someone tall. My husband's much taller than me. So I turned around and he wasn't there. He was like to the side, up to the front. And I said, you weren't by any chance, like, you know, just holding my shoulder. He's like, no, but the moment you looked for me, I saw a light leave your shoulder and like fly off. So for me, it's like, it was shocking because it was a place that I had always said was a residual haunt. But at that moment I had an experience that was physical. Mm -hmm. So you really kind of have to ascertain each time you go and decide what you know you want to do when moon girl and i were there we left a rem pod on in the hotel room one night all um, night this thing doesn't go off but we're just like we're also close to the battlefield we don't know and then in the morning we're like oh whatever and as soon as like this energy heard us wake up the rem pod starts like going crazy off, you know? crazy so, it's very changing at battlefields and you really just have to feel the vibe when you're there. If you're at a part of the battlefield at the time that that battle took place, you're going to get really strong energy then full moon. You might get it then too. Each time is different. That's a long answer to your question, but I hope that helps. <laughs> you know, back to the hotel thing, as you remember, we went to this one place. I forgot the name where we went to. I'm sorry. Um, and then we came back and we brought a little ghost with us. Well, I would say little, but yeah. So we were staying in <laughs> one room. Big guy. <laughs> it was a big guy. It was a big guy. Uh, we're staying in a room, but it was like locked off. I had my own room. They had their room. And in the middle of the night, yeah, yeah. I felt like somebody just staring at me, like angrily staring at me. That I kind of like sneaked into Courtney's, you know, like, Courtney, do you see a ghost? <laughs> and she was asleep. So I was like, okay, I, I felt it. And in the morning we talked about it. I'm like, hey, dude, there was like a I ghost had a weird in the room. Dream that I saw him by my husband's side of the bed yeah. looking at me. And my, my husband never notices, but I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, but I was so tired because 
I fell that night. Yes, she um, did. At the Devil's Den, and yeah. I, <laughs> I have a no, huge. she's part of the Devil's Den forever. She left her DNA I, on this. Oh, I bled <laughs> so much. I have a huge scar on my knee still, like to this day. I looked at it the other day. I was like, look at my war wound. <laughs> My war wound from Gettysburg, you know, <laughs> a reminder that I just tripped and fell in the dark, which is why you're not supposed to be there in the dark. So let it be a lesson yeah. to everyone else. <laughs> Let's like carry Courtney to the car. <laughs> oh, it, we weren't sure it was bleeding that much. And then we were like, oh. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. well, you know what? I think it's until we got in the car. That's when it was like, you know, yeah. Okay, I think that maybe, you know, it was a trigger moment for them. Yeah. You know, they were like, ah, blood, this is familiar. Follow her. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. But I, I remember it was kind of like crazy because we didn't even get a chance to talk to each other about this. You know, you were already asleep and I was like, okay, I don't want to bother you. But yeah, I felt him in the corner just kind of staring at me and when we talked in the morning you said that you felt it too and you even told your husband marty you're like there was somebody here and i'm like yeah dude there totally was yeah yeah i love it though i yeah. love it like i want them to visit me uh -huh. which i know sounds like weird everyone says you're supposed to be scared i no. want them to feel comfortable with me i want them to talk mm -hmm. with me I want them to know that my goal is to share their story with integrity and to honor them mm -hmm. and to ensure that they're still sort of loved by, you know, the people of the present. And if, if they want to, you know, come chat with me, then that means that maybe they understand that. That's always my hope. Yeah. And that they're still remembered. Yeah. I, I always tell them that, you know, like I want, I'm ensuring your memory. If you have a story to share, like I want them to feel comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Very different take than most paranormal investigators. I know. I know. I think, you know, I <laughs> hear that a lot. <laughs> I hear that a lot. Um, everyone's like, oh, how interesting that you approach it this way. But I don't know that it's that odd i feel like it's a very human approach you know i i operate under the understanding as i assume many paranormal folks do that a ghost or a spirit or whatever you want to call them is simply a human without their physical vessel mm -hmm. so why would i treat them differently than i would treat a living person i don't i don't know mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, this is the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to approach them, you know, respectfully, but that's not always the case. Um, yeah. As you know. As you, know. Um, you know, and I think, I think to the credit of some people in the industry, they are hoping that it changes again. Right. I think it's become this very like adrenaline seeking, thrill seeking sort of thing. And in the age of media and TV and movies, everyone sort of made it, how can we make it horror? How can we make it scary? And, and the paranormal, you know, really got the integrity sucked out of it for entertainment appeal. But I think slowly but surely there are more people that are coming in that are genuinely looking for these connections with spirits at a location, why they're there. Is there a purpose? What type of haunting? And I think there's still a spiritual awakening happening. It's just those folks are still a little intimidated by, you know, whatever happened before. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I know Munger and I both agree that respect is number one. Yes, and, uh, yes. You catch more flies with honey. I mean, yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes, you do. If I like, if I walk in or walk to a battlefield, you know, I already look a little bit weird standing there talking to the sky to the average passerby. I understand, you know, but if I walk to a battlefield and I'm like, hello to anyone that's there, my name's Courtney, you know, I've come to learn from you and communicate with you. Can you make your presence known or let me know you're here? That to me is a way of introducing myself, giving them an opportunity to speak and letting them know I'm not there to harm them. You could go like we see on all these programs and other investigators. Hey, show yourself. I know you're here. What do you want? Like just very demanding. Right. But that's not, you know, showing any understanding of the story. And, well, um, it, it's hurtful. I, I I wouldn't approach someone in the, if I was in the mm -hmm. afterlife. Like I'd be like, excuse me. Well, especially being a woman in Gettysburg and you're trying to talk to the soldiers. You know, you need to kind of talk to them. You know, in a certain <laughs> way, introduce yourself. And why is this uh, woman standing here? You know, it's kind of thing. Always such a conundrum when I do that. I always feel so out of place. So I say to them, I've come to help. Are any of you in need of help? So that way, if they are in in the theory that maybe some of them don't know they're dead or they think they're injured, they might mm -hmm. think that I'm a nurse. Um, I also try to explain my accent so that both sides feel comfortable speaking to me. I'll say, I know I sound, you know, like a Yankee. I'm from Connecticut. My father's from the South. So, you know, I joke with them and tell them about, you know, so we have our own, you know, sort of divide in my household. But that means I come with outside. I come to help mm -hmm. all of you. I try to really explain this. Like I even go so far and, you know, maybe I am just talking to the sky sometimes, but most of the time I believe they hear me. And I'll even say, I know my devices light up and they look strange or they make noises. This isn't witchcraft. This isn't something that can harm you. It's something that helps me help you. You know, mm -hmm. I, I try to explain it as if they can see it, you know, in a classroom um, because we have to take into consideration the context of the time they lived in as well and the social etiquette. And I think that's something a lot of folks don't do either. They go in there most of the time, very aggressively, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think um, this approach that all three of us agree on doing, I think it's much better and you get more evidence, you get them to open up and, you know, in a sense, speak to you more, whether through, you know, the boxes, the spirit boxes, or they show themselves, because we saw apparitions as well when we went over there, you know, yeah. besides the orbs, we actually saw, because we, we did two investigations together before, and the first time I went, I don't think she got to see the apparition I saw, because you were further up. And then when we went this time together, you actually saw the one I thought I saw at that spot where you took a picture. So it's just yeah. so crazy that it's still there, you know? Well, yeah. residual. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes residual, sometimes active. Like yeah. I said, I've had both there. You know, um, the active ones at battlefields are super active sometimes. Like, mm -hmm. they come across so so real that people have claimed them to be real like when the hollywood movie gettysburg was filming 
I believe they were one of the only, you know, Hollywood media things that were allowed to film at the national parks. Like they very much don't allow it. And um, so they were filming the movie and some of the guys reported that they were like on a break and a man walked up to them, one of the, you know, background guys, reenactors and was like, oh, here you go. You're going to need this. And he put these like, you know, musket balls, these old fashioned musket balls in their hand for the upcoming scene. And that's what they supposed anyway. And they thought, oh, these like are really heavy and these look kind of, you know, old. How cool. So they showed their producer and their producer said, you know, we didn't send those to you guys. And they didn't know who that guy was. And then they brought them to an antique dealer and they were like authentic of the time. They weren't reproduction. They weren't, wow. you know, movie set items. And so sometimes when they appear, they can be that, you know, vivid that people are encountering them, which is really neat too. Yes. Very neat. That must be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> when I've, uh, I've gone to Gettysburg myself and the times I've been there, I've seen full apparitions. And then one was actually, I have to admit, one kind of scared me a little bit because it would just keep staring no matter where I went, whether I walked that way or walked that way or got into the car, he would just stare. Oh. I'm like, I'm like okay. It's like, who's that little lady? <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. And I was by myself that time. So I had one incident by the car that was similar to that at Gettysburg um, by Iverson's Pits, um, which you would know you're near Iverson's Pits if you see the eternal flame. So there's the eternal flame. And then if you look across from the parking lot, you can kind of see Iverson's Pits, which was the first recorded ghost story of Gettysburg. So, of course, I always like to go there and check it out. Um, but one time when I was there, I saw a man looking at me, you know, uh, this was when you were allowed to be there at night. So, right. um, you know, he, you know, he had, you know, dark eyes and dark hair and he recognized that I was there, but he looked alarmed by it. I was alarmed by his expression. <laughs> so you hear me, I'm on, I have my audio recorder on at this time and I see the man and I'm like, hello. And you hear a shuffle as if he's moving, which he is. And then I get nervous and I say, Marty, Marty, I'm calling for my husband. And he's like, are you okay? I said, no, there's a man. <laughs> he's coming toward me and he's like, let's just go. And we got in the car and the car we were in had like one of those things that like lights up when something's like an indicator, like yeah. right next to you. Next to you, yeah. Yeah. And I saw the man outside my car window when we <laughs> shut the door. Oh, and, I was like, and then I saw the indicator and it yeah. started, you know, beeping, telling us, you know, that there was something there. Um, and I was just like so floored by that. And then later I started writing my Georgia book and um, I was looking up one of the generals from Georgia uh, and in Iverson was from Georgia, even though he had a North Carolina brigade. And I looked up his picture and at first I thought, oh, he's handsome. And then I thought, oh, that's the man that was on the battlefield that was looking at me. Uh, so he must have known before I did that I was going to write about him. <laughs> there you go. Well, speaking, speaking of books, you're an amazing author. Can you tell us about your books? 
Yeah. So the first book I ever did was called Haunted Mystic, came out in 2014. Um, and then I did Revolutionary War Ghosts of Connecticut uh, in 2016. Uh, and then in 2021, Civil War Ghosts of Connecticut was sort of my first experiment in the Civil War books. And that was released. Uh, but I'm re-editing it now because I just got so excited. I pushed it out really quickly. So if you read it, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> and uh, then I really took my time because uh, my dad's from Georgia and I wanted to spend time down in an area that had a lot of battles. I did Civil War Ghosts of Georgia and that was split into volumes one and two. Volumes one being about battlefields and regiments. Uh, volume two being about some of the individuals, some of the legends like Lost Confederate Gold, uh, the Great Locomotive Chase, things like that. Uh, and a chapter on Savannah or a whole section on Savannah will be or is in volume two. Um, and those are all part of what I call the Bury My Bones series, which is after one of my favorite songs um, and often plays um, when I am at cemeteries. And I think a song that they like about, you know, being brought home and buried after, you know, dying too young. Um, so I named the series after after that. Um, and the Georgia books have just been so much fun. Um, they have so many battlefields that are there, like Chickamauga and Kennesaw Mountain that I've gotten to spend a lot of time at. Um, and in a way, I think Chickamauga rivals Gettysburg in hauntedness. So that's been pretty cool, too. Yeah. And um, you've been able to communicate there with soldiers and... Oh, yes. I mean, yes. So Chickamauga, um, you know, I love because it's it's more untouched than other battlefields. People forget it's there. Uh, it's at the bottom of the Appalachian Mountains. It's near Lookout Mountain. Um, it's in this very quiet corner of Georgia. Um, so, yeah, you don't want to go there. Leave it for me, right? Um, <laughs> um, but it's, you know, they essentially, there are roads through the battlefield, but it's the roads that were there at the time. Like, you can see the old battle maps and see that they were there at the time. If you go there, they have stories that have been debunked and stories that haven't. Uh, they have a white lady that is often seen by Wilder Tower looking for uh, someone she lost in battle. Uh, and so she's been wild, widely reported since the beginning. Uh, they have also reenactors that have encountered other soldiers there, Boy Scouts who have seen drumming people march out of the woods. Uh, I, on my recent visit, had the most peculiar encounter um, I was sitting by this like a cannon monument, which is usually where uh, either a general's headquarters were or where they died. This was where headquarters were. Uh, it was sunset and I was just sort of watching the sunset and I felt all these eyeballs on me and I looked and there was just a row of deer along the woods, just all staring at me uh, as I was sitting there. And I was like, it almost felt like it was them you know, looking at me. And uh, then I saw this, like, it was, it's crazy, like a fireball go across the sky. And I was like, is that a shooting star during the day? Is that, a, you know, a cannon? Is that like, what is that? Like, 
And my husband wasn't with me. He was in another area, but I figured it was so big and it went across the whole field that surely he saw it too. And it didn't make a sound or anything, which was also strange. And he came back and he didn't, but it was like this little, like, I don't know, memento of like a moment in time that I was the only one there that would see it. And that was on um, an area called Snodgrass Hill. Uh, so yeah, lots of experiences there and lots of, you know, dead folks that I think are still actually buried out there. Um, so it's interesting. Yeah. I want to ask you who your favorite uh, general is and why. No. <laughs> I know you love them all. But you have pictures of some in your home, just saying. I know. I'm looking at them like they're going to be mad. They're in all my walls. They're on all my walls. Uh -huh. um, he loves them all. I do. Um, so, oh, shoot. Okay. Uh, can I pick a few? Yes. And who you have the biggest crush on, okay? No. Oh, that depends. I have a crush on a few, too. I, I have a crush, and this is probably not popular, on General Hood. Um, he was Confederate, but he he was, you know, good looking. And he was very <laughs> This tall. is what we were talking about the whole time on, the, on our little... Oh, <laughs> my God. He was places. so attractive. <laughs> yeah. He was so tall. You think how he was? He's handsome. <laughs> I know. I always want the attractive ones to come talk to me. And I get that he had an arm he could use and a leg amputation. And I don't care about any of that. He was still attractive. He was yeah. like tall. He looked like a Viking. He was like, he only traveled with the biggest, broadest soldiers. He was like, he was badass. And he didn't like listen to anybody else. He just did what he wanted to do. I love, I have a crush on him. Um, General Hood. I mean, I don't think all the other generals liked him all the time, but I do, you know? I do. He was known as like, uh, he had the Texans. It was Hood's Texans that he traveled everywhere with. And he had one brigade from Georgia. So I got to write about him and he lost his leg at Chickamauga. So I got to write about that too. And then I, you know, found out more to the context and I marched through the woods to where he lost his leg. And I'm like throwing that back in the book. I love Hood. Anyway, I, I shouldn't, but I do. So I have a crush on him. Um, my other favorites uh, for Confederate side, they kind of had more likable generals. I don't know why. Um, maybe they were more handsome. I don't know. Maybe I just like rebels. Um, I like people that don't follow the law. I don't know. Um, Stonewall Jackson. Um, Stonewall Jackson is a favorite of mine. I love that man. Uh, he was killed in at the Battle of Chancellorsville in 1863. Um, he was 38. And he was not, his name is Thomas, but uh, he went by Stonewall because of how he fought. I have been to where he lived. I have been to where he died. I've been to where he was shot. I've been to where his arm has its own grave site. I've been I was going to say that. Yeah. I want to say I've been to Hood's legs grave <laughs> and Stonewall Jackson's arms grave. I go to the amputated limb graves as well. I, you know, I love it. I love it. Um, I feel bad for them, but it's also fun for me to do. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> we went and I was shocked. I'm like, there's a cemetery for just limbs? What? Limpets, limpets. They actually, Stonewall Jackson's arm got put in someone's family cemetery. So there's a whole family of like, just And then his arm? Who lived there. And then there's one gravestone that says Stonewall Jackson's arm in the middle of these people's um, family graves. Anyway, uh, Hoods is just like in the woods by like the hospital building. I... I I don't think it's actually there, but the people think it is. I just don't think that man would have just like traveled around with his amputated leg for two months. Like, that's gross. Like, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't know. I don't buy that from my crush. I don't. I don't think that's gross. My would never. No. But I love, Stone, I love Stonewall Jackson. He was incredibly intelligent. Um, he he very much also had the respect of the men that worked under him. He could be kind of a hard ass, but like, so can I, so I get it. And, you know, he, he and Longstreet were Robert E. Lee's like right hands. And I think Stonewall Jackson really kind of described the heart of the movement. People related to him and understood him. Um, and, you know, he really kind of came from nothing and built his reputation by himself. And he worked out a lot. He was jacked. So uh, there's that too. Um, <laughs> his house has all his personal gym things. Um, but for the union side, I love Ulysses S. Grant. I call him my cute little boop. He's adorable. See, that's what I thought you were going to say. I was like, that's I love so it. He's right here. I know. He's here he is. <laughs> I love him. I actually have two pictures of him in here. Um, he's there and he's here. So um, I love him. I've been to many of his places as well. I've been to his house where he died, to his grave. Talker. I know. <laughs> A little. Wife, he really loved his wife, though, you know? Uh, I guess the other two did too, but maybe they didn't talk about it as much. But we talked about his wife a lot. And uh, so I feel bad. She's in the picture too, probably watching me. Um, so this so woman stalking my husband. Ulysses was like, he was stern, but he was like smart and he knew what had to be done. And he also kind of came from nothing and built his own reputation. He was like bankrupt and you know, he still, he still fought for his country and did his best. And at the end of the war, I think what I really respect about him is that he believed that America shouldn't remain divided. Um, and he believed that the Confederacy shouldn't be made out to be demons who didn't have rights because if the union won, they were part of the union again. So he gave them what was called a soft loss and he incorporated them right back into America, no questions asked, and really tried to reconstruct America with the you know considerations of everyone in mind. And when he passed away, he had two Confederate pallbearers and two Union pallbearers um, as a testament to how he felt. And I have read memoirs from Confederates and Union soldiers who talk about being at his funeral and who talk about being his friend um, and how much his friendship meant. Um, and by all accounts, he was also funny and relatable, and so I love him too. But um, those are some of my favorites. Um, I also have on my wall next to me a fiery redhead man named Nathaniel Lyon. Um, he died a bachelor, and a lot of people didn't like him, but I like him. I don't know. There's something about him. 
Yeah. Because he's a dingy. He was the first general to die in the war. He chased the governor of Missouri through Kansas. And he was just, he was fuck wild. Um, he's buried like 45 minutes from where I live. And by all accounts, he likes mustard on his sandwiches. Like that's what he loves. So I always like once a year, I bring him a bottle of mustard. So I love them all. <laughs> what about some of the most controversial ones? Can you tell us about those? Mm, they're probably the ones I love. Um, so no, they are the ones you love, Courtney. <laughs> well, there's one I really don't like, um, Jubal Early, and I don't think his own people liked him. He was just really, really harsh. Um, you know, he was he was he was hard to like. He was mean to everybody, and he was incredibly racist. Um, Sherman on the Union side was also incredibly racist, and uh, so he's really controversial because. He assisted in freeing the slaves and giving enslaved people land, but he also wrote about how much he hated them and he gave them land on an island so they wouldn't be near him and because they weren't like him. So he's controversial because he, you know, he's fighting for the union doing this thing, but his personal beliefs are not in line with this. Mm -hmm. Um, He's controversial. Sherman is like talking about Voldemort down south because he burned half of Georgia. So like, just don't mention him down there. Um, another controversial. Someone like when I got the first draft of my book cover, they put Sherman on it. And I was like, no, I will not sell one copy. Like, take him off. Um, and then there's one that I wrote about and I love him, but he is controversial but I choose not to believe what, <laughs> what I've been told. Um, denial. 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 Innocent until proven guilty is what I said. Yes. So, you know, his name is John Gordon. And John Gordon, um, I fell in love with his story because I was in this little history room at a library and he wrote about his near-death experience uh, when he was a veteran and how, you know, he kind of saw the other side. He saw soldiers that had passed. Um, He was very open about his spirituality and um, the miracle that had saved him. He had been shot five times. He bled out through his cap in the bloody lane. His wife helped to heal him. Just he really had this miraculous story. And um, I loved that. And so I kind of deep dove into his story. And he his memoirs are incredible. The way he writes about his wife, the way he writes about his men, the way he writes about Grant and Chamberlain, who are on the opposing side. Um, he's a very exciting writer. He's eccentric. Um, and I loved all that. Uh, so he's in my book. He's from Georgia. He's from, you know, the Northwest corner. Um, his wife, Fanny, is a badass. She traveled with him through the war. When soldiers retreated, she sent them back on the front lines. Like, she was the best. I loved her. Um, and she, he's buried in Oakland Cemetery. And supposedly he sits by his grave on his horse and people see him. Uh, he worked for the state later, uh, and he was even governor for a time. Uh, he opened up the first school for um, black children in the state. Um, so that was, you know, incredibly, you know, useful to know. The controversy comes in, and I have talked with locals who do disagree with this, but some folks on the internet said he started that organization with three letters. Um, 
you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? You know? The, the, um, same, the same letter. The same letter. Okay. That thrice. <laughs> I don't think he did. Um, I was actually speaking with a musician that I met because I'm always at concerts when I'm not doing this. And uh, he he was from that area. And he was so funny. Uh, I was actually just listening to his music before this podcast. And he said to me, no, it was Bedford Forest that started that organization. And I don't really like him, so I'm going with it. No? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's, I mean, they're all mired in controversy, though. I mean, yeah. now yeah. you, like, now the confederacy is mired in controversy every single person that was associated with it um you know i think it's it's interesting to witness uh the time that i've been researching it um there's been a lot of movements um a lot of monuments taken down a lot of cemeteries desecrated um and people's response to that in these locations and one of the responses is to give contextual markers to the time that they lived in or to explain. And I, and I kind of appreciate that because I think sometimes we forget that 160 years ago was a really long time. So we can't expect to get historical figures to somehow atone for, you know, a morality they wouldn't have understood yet. So it's interesting to kind of come at it from a 2024 perspective, but that's why I look at their individual stories as well. A lot of them weren't in war on either side for political reasons. A lot of them didn't have money. A lot of them were just poor folks who were engaged in the military and believed they were protecting their home and their family, and no one told them otherwise. Um, so I try to look at it from that perspective, too. Do you, uh, were you going to talk, Linda? Yeah, I was just going to ask one. Oh, I'm sorry. Most people who see this uh, are probably asking, but nobody has the nerve to ask you. Do you see the lip? Do I see what? The limbs when you go around to the <laughs> Glenda. I'm, I'm, I'm a Gemini. curious to me. The limbs, like their arms and legs yeah. and stuff? Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> but, but, okay. So they have graves. The prominent ones have graves. There are limb pits at some of the places I've been to, but I'm not allowed to say where. The park rangers have like sworn me to secrecy. Right. But you don't see the limbs. You just kind of know where they would have been buried. Um, a lot of the ones at Chickamauga, there's going to be a lot of limbs that you're not going to see. But the wild hogs ate the remains and brought the, brought the limbs everywhere. Right. So they kind of got saturated in the area, which is really gross, but true. Um, it was a bloody carpet, and then the hogs came. It was bad. Um so that you don't see them, but Gettysburg actually just opened up this new exhibit at the um, at the Visitor Center for the National Park. It's free, I believe, to go through, or if not, it's like a nominal fee. Like, it's very cheap. And as we were walking through, I saw this, um, you know, oh my gosh, I'm brain farting. What's the thing that they carry, like, the people out on, like, the gurneys, you know, yeah. that they're carrying them on, like, after they've been shot? 
And I know that my boy Stonewall Jackson was shot in Chancellorsville, not Gettysburg. He was dead by then, poor thing. But I saw that gurney and I thought, and I saw the blood, you can see the blood stains on it. Wow. It's, you know, it's gross. Uh, you can see every, all this stuff. Like, and I looked at it and I said, that's his, like that is his. And, um, my, my husband, why would it be here? And I was like, I don't know, but it has his energy all over it. And all of a sudden I read the caption. It said, you know, carried Stonewall Jackson after he was shot, you know, and those were, you know, the blood stains from his wounds. So you can see things like that in these little museums at these visitor center. You can see gurneys, bloodstained clothes, bloodstained flags that were ripped from the flag, you know, color guards' hands um, and maybe wrapped around them when they were wounded. You can see locks of hair. Uh, you can see that they were sent home to loved ones. I mean, any number of things. Death masks. They have Ulysses S. Grant's death mask still at his home so there's plenty of macabre things you can see um you can even see ulysses s grant uh, cocaine he was treated with um but you won't see their limbs but you will see plenty of gross things so that's fun close enough wins close away, enough. So. <laughs> i know i thought she was saying like can you see the ghost limbs just roaming around <laughs> Ghost leg. Yeah, no, you know. I'm just asking because there are going to be people that are going to say she's asking for a friend. No, I have tried to conduct EVP sessions at the graves of the limbs. Um, they don't seem to be there. Yeah, I don't blame them. Do you have any upcoming projects or events that you're working on? Yes. So I think the biggest two things that are coming up for me are the tours in Georgia uh, and book talks. I'm working on a schedule of those for 2024. So if you want to hear more gruesome, weird uh, stuff about the Civil War and train wrecks and bodies and, you know, where to find gold, come see Both me. Limbs. Yes, ghost limbs. Come see Thank me. You, General. Uh, yes. So I'm going to be doing lots of book talks. I also book private tours where I can take folks to these sites, show them spots of note. I can bring you to where the limbs are if you need me to. Um, so definitely write to me if you need that. And then, of course, Ireland 2025. Um, if you're into the spirit of rebellion, uh, that carries far in Irish history. Uh, and they had the Easter Rising of 1916. We're going to go to where they attacked the British in Dublin, to where they were captured and where they were executed at the jail. We're going to go to where they lived. And we're going to go to all, like, where Michael Collins was assassinated. But we're also going to do fun stuff, like the Ring of Kerry in the middle of it. And and go look for leprechauns. Um, yeah, leprechauns. Yeah, yeah. I want you to have everything because yeah. I weird and a little ADD. That's what you get, right? <laughs> um, but definitely check it out. Um, you know, it'll be with Secret Ireland Tours in April 2025. Now, before we go, I just want to throw it out there. If you can talk a little bit about Seaside Shadows and where they can find you and to book a tour with you. She does yes. amazing tours. 
So Seaside Shadows is operating right now every month of the year in Connecticut and Rhode Island, except January. Uh, if you're coming to us in February, you can check out our My Bloody Valentine tours. Uh, those are really fun. We talk about the history of Lupercalia, Cupid being nefarious and manipulative and all fun stuff like that. Um, and all the gods and goddesses that inspired it. And then March through November, we give our downtown Mystic and Mystic Graveyard and downtown Westerly tours six nights a week. Uh, you can book those at SeasideShadows.com. And if you have any requests for private tours, you want to have a birthday party, an investigation, those are all things we're working on. I am working on a, a fundraiser for this year, but the location is not tied down yet, so I can't say it. But I'm looking at a really cool location. Uh, to do a live stream paranormal investigation with Johnny's office uh, and hopefully Moon Girl as well. We're just waiting on, you know, a meeting with the location tomorrow. So send the good juju, um, you know, and that will be this year as well. Um, and it's never been done before. So very exciting. But you'll see all of that at seasideshadows.com. Nice. Well, um, anything else that you want to tell that you haven't uh, spoken about? Mm, I'm trying to think. I mean, More I can talk to you guys for hours about goats and cute soldiers and, you know. Well, you know what? We talked about generals. What about cute soldiers? <laughs> Soldier boys. Actually, as I said that, I was thinking I could be their mother, you know? <laughs> Like when I read about these soldiers and write about them, I love them, but they're like 21, 22, mm -hmm. you know, or babies. Some of them they're even younger. Babies. They're babies. Yeah. Sometimes like uh, when I'm giving a talk, I call them boys um, because to me, like they're, they're so young. They're, they're still boys, you know, that were put at war before really they could, should be. And uh, sometimes I'll see grown men look at me and go, boys. I'm like, well, to me, they're like they're little, you know, um, there's, there's so many of them. And of course, I have these books called like Unknown Faces of the Civil War. So meaning like we see their pictures, but we don't know their names. And um, I definitely go through. There's not so many handsome ones as you may think. You know, but oh. it was a tough time. It was a tough time to be alive. Oh, yeah. Hard, you know. They didn't care what they looked like, but they have like a good energy to them. And mm -hmm. I do think a lot of them were just young. So when I come through, I, they probably think I'm like their auntie or their mother. You know, so I'm just like, you know, nice to them anyway. The generals, they were the ones in their 30s, like me. You know, which. Whatever, fine. You know, they were older than that, but that's why I'm going to, you know, be more attracted, I guess, to the officers because it's more age appropriate. Yeah. Naughty Courtney. <laughs> if I'm going to like dead people, they still have to be age appropriate. Even you. For me to like. Even in the paranormal community, that's frowned upon. No. Oh my gosh. I know. Isn't, isn't there like. I, you know, you know me, I love ghost adventures and now the public knows it too. Um, and I think Zach Bacon's is a freaking who. For love. Isn't there an episode where like he's like in a brothel or something and he tries to get one of the lady spirits to like, no, like do something with him? I don't remember, but I feel like there is. I remember watching being like, what moral line are we going <laughs> 
you know zach is you know he works out maybe she's like whatever like i don't know i don't know courtney is a big fan she's even had me like give zach a face reading she's like can you like tell me read his face for me a chinese face reading. i'm like girl you know they crap on him so hard but i'm just gonna say two things one paranormal tv and media wouldn't exist without his show like he we That's wouldn't platform the three of us wouldn't yeah. be talking right now if he didn't mainstream you know this topic into people's households and two he never said he was something he wasn't he was always a dude who just ghost hunted with his bros and scared himself it is what it is. Like you either think it's funny or you don't. But like he's not out there trying to be like, oh, I'm the smartest and I know. No, he's like, in here and I'll see if I'm scared. Like, yeah, yeah. It's what it is. It's entertainment value. I want to see his museum too. I've heard it's like, you know, it's wonderful. We have to go. I loved I it. it. I want to see it. And maybe he'll come out and see me and I will give him a hug. Maybe. I hear he's around a lot. So maybe we'll run into him. Yes, I see. He's always like, oh, I came out and saw fans like me. Let it be me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. No, I, know, I know he doesn't know the history, but somehow I'm okay with it. So <laughs> Sometimes cute and dumb is enough. No, just kidding. <laughs> you know, he's cute and he's the only millionaire in the paranormal he's the i was gonna say the only i think like one of the main reasons he gets like a lot of heat is because he's the only one who really made bank out of it honestly he's the only one who got really famous and he's the only one who he was smart enough to you know take that and make also the museum and yeah. he's you know making money off of it so and good I for him yeah and i've spoken to people they're like he has good business sense he knows what he's yeah. doing you know and i think well he's an know, aries so he knows in our, in our industry, like people are sometimes focused too hard on being competitive instead Very of competitive. other people's successes. And for for folks, I just think he's an easy target because he's so mm -hmm. public. But you know, I'm like, you know, let him do it. If it's, it's not affecting you, just just focus on you. You know, that's how I feel about it. Focus on what makes you you. What makes you good. Yeah. Well, that's the deal. It's it's a, it's very competitive in the paranormal and metaphysical fields. So uh, there's a lot of hateration going around. <laughs> it shouldn't be. We should be the people uh -huh. that are setting the example, yeah. right? Yes. Like the mm -hmm. value of a soul, the value of heart and emotion and afterlife. We mm -hmm. shouldn't be petty, you know? No, no. So. I always tell Glenda, love and light my butt. Because some of these people are <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> But that's why we're changing it. And that's why yeah. I'm like, I I like dead people more than living and I don't apologize. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. <laughs> From controversial soldiers that I have a crush on yeah. to ghost limbs to Zach Bagans. We can talk yeah. about all of it. Next time we're gonna ask her, what was your favorite ghost limb? No, just kidding. Right from there. Start right off. I can tell you stone walls because I know his arm is there. I love my boyhood, but I don't believe his leg is there, but I will find it. I will find it. We're gonna go find it. 
Road trip. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hold on, Courtney. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.